Well, that's the journey that we began last week, is how can we begin to see ourselves as an authentic masterpiece? To, to see that, that, that we don't have to settle for what somebody else might see in us, but we can actually see what God sees in us and discover that we are a masterpiece. So we looked at this idea of keeping it real, and with this whole idea of keeping it real, of, of what do we need to do, how can we begin to see that we are an authentic masterpiece. And, and so to start with that, I, I shared with you three key thoughts. One is that we have to learn to accept our limits. That we would learn to accept that God has given us some limits, and, and we don't need to be mad at them and angry at them. These are just the limits. Our unlimited God created us with limits, and we've got to accept those limits. The second thing is we've got to embrace our gifts, that, that we would embrace how God has gifted us, that, that too many times we don't embrace our gifts because we're jealous of somebody else having a gift that we wanted or that their gift they are using a little bit better than what we use our gift. We just need to embrace our gift and begin to use that for God and for his glory. And then also we looked at this idea that, that we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. So that's what we need to do, that, that if we're going to start trying to see ourselves as, as an authentic masterpiece, if we're going to live out an authentic life, that that that's what we must do, and we have to get started there. And today what we're going to do is we're going to pick up where we left off with that, and we're going to look at this idea of discovering your value, discovering your value. And so when it comes to discovering your value, we're going to just kind of pick right up where we left off, and I, and I want to share with you some other key thoughts today, and three of them as well, and there's three practices to promote that promote authentic identity. The, the, these three practices that promote authentic identity. They're all just going to be single words coming at you, but I'm going to unpack them all. And, and so we're going to get started with recognize. The first thing is that we would recognize. And so what do we need to recognize? We need to recognize that your authentic self is discovered, not created. That your authentic self is discovered and not created. This should relieve a lot of pressure. That, that, that it should release you and go, oh, okay, I, I don't have to create who I'm going to be, that, that I just need to what I just need to discover and not create. See, so the search for identity, it, it puts us on a quest. And the quest that it puts us on is it puts us on a quest to, to discover our worth, discover our significance. It's, it's what we want. And I learned something as a young adult, and, and maybe you've already learned this as well, and, but, but as I learned this, I didn't figure this out on my own. I actually had to hear somebody say this. And, and, and this is what they said when it comes to that, that search for significance, that search for identity, that, that, that we don't measure our worth and our value based on how we see ourselves. That that's not what we do. Most of us in this room, we're not going, hey, it's, that's how I see myself and that's what my worth is. And so, so most of you have already figured that part out and you've, you've moved on. And, and maybe you've moved on and you've figured this part out and, and you've moved over here. And it's, it's not about how I see myself. It's how others see me. And, and it's how others see me that determines my, my worth, my, my value. But I don't think that's where we are either. And maybe you have figured that out and maybe you haven't. But it's really this last one. That, that for most of us, that this is where we camp out. 
on trying to figure out our, our worth and our significance. It's not how we see ourselves. It's not how others see us. But it's this. It's how we think other people think about us. That's what so many of us are doing. That we're going, okay, it's not how I see myself. It's not even how others see. It's how I think other people think about me. That's what we do. Too many of us are trying to figure out, do I matter? Does my life count? Because I'm thinking about what you think about me. Because we really don't get to know what somebody else thinks about us. But we can think that we know what somebody else thinks about us. And when we don't feel like our life when we don't feel like our, our life has this worth and meaning, it, it's when we begin to question and contemplate, is our life worth living? And the struggle, it's real. It, it's a very real struggle. I'm trying to figure out, does my life matter? Is my life important? And the reason it's so difficult for so many people, I think sociology has kind of pointed the way and helped us see why, why that's hard for us. That, that when you look historically at sociology and what they've tried to figure out, that they've identified when it comes to our identity, that there, there's two main camps that, that people end up landing in across not just America, but even the world. That first one is traditional identity. In traditional identity, it's, it's where we find our worth and our identity, our significance. We, we find it by looking at and being what we think our family, what our friends, what, what, what our close-knit community of people that we do life with, of, of what it is that we would do that would please them, that would make them happy. That that's traditional identity. And then there's this thing that we know called modern identity. And modern identity, it, it has a way that it's going, hey, how can I find my significance, my worth? How can I, how can I figure that out? But it's not about, hey, what, is, what does my family want from me or expect from me? What do my friends want from me or expect from me? That, that modern identity, it seeks to find its significance and its worth by doing and becoming whatever it is that's going to make you happy. That that's modern identity and, and where we go with this. And so when we look at this, it's like, okay, well, there's traditional. We understand that. Okay, now here there's this modern. We can understand that. The, the, the very first time, I think, where we get onto something and, and we start deviating away from traditional, we didn't jump to modern. But what we did is we started to figure out historically, we started to figure out our identity that we don't have to create it. That we just have to discover it, and we have to find our identity in Christ. The, the, the one who loves us, the one who gave his life for us, that we just have to recognize him. That, that, that we have to do that. We have to realize that our identity, it is created in him. Identity isn't intended to be created. That identity is something that we are to discover in Christ. And so we have to start here. Look at this with me in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. 
that, that when, when Jesus Christ was here on earth, all the fullness of God was in one human body. Not some fullness, not just most fullness, but all of the fullness of God. And, and when, when you understand that, that God creator is still in heaven and yet Jesus, this, the son of God is here, it, it, it begins to be a little mind boggling. And, and there are things that we can't figure out and completely understand. But all the fullness of God was in a human body and that was Jesus. And so there's a, an implication that comes with that. We find it in the next verse, verse 10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Now he, while he was here on earth, he held back and he didn't show, I'm just going to force and do, except for when it was within God's will. And he did. But when we look at this, you are also complete through your union, through your connection with God. Christ, that this is where we find it. We have to recognize this. Listen, it's, it's a nice romantic gesture. When, when, when you've got somebody that, that you love and, and, and you're going, you're the one, and, and however long they've been the one, to, to just kind of look in their eyes and gaze at them and, and, and say this, you complete me. It is, that, that, that is a good, I, I'm guilty, I've said that to Cheryl. I, I am guilty of that and thinking that way. But we aren't completed by another human. We're completed with our union, our connection with Christ. And, and that, that we're going to continue to struggle with our identity and we're going to keep trying to figure out how do we create our identity instead of just discovering it if we don't figure this out. And so we have to recognize that... That, that we are people, that, that our identity, God created us with an identity already. And we just have to discover it. So that is practice number one. So when we look at these three practices that promote authentic identity, the second one is respond. Do we start by, by we recognize, recognize that, that our identity is just something we discover. It's not something we create. And secondly, that, that we would respond. That, that we would respond. What do we respond to? That we would respond to Christ's love that restores us. That, that we would respond to this and respond to our eternal purpose for which God has created us. And I'm not talking about just a one-time response where we recognize I'm a sinner in need of grace and salvation and, and that, that I just need to respond once. No, we, we must respond over and over and over again and make this daily response that we would keep responding to Christ and what he wants for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's look at a few verses together here, starting in verse 14. Christ Christ's love controls us. And since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Talking about this old sinful self, that when you become a Christ follower, you die to your old sinful self, and you live as a new self. That this one of who you are in Christ. That Christ's love, it controls us, it compels us, that it urges us. That that's what it is. Verse 15, he, talking about Jesus, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for 
themselves. That, that we wouldn't be going, hey, life's all about me. That we wouldn't be living for ourselves, but that we would see that there is a higher purpose. Because if we no longer live for ourselves, then what do we live for? Well, hey, we're found, we find this as well in verse 15. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. Raised from the dead to give us eternal life. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That's one of the most freeing things that we can do. Is that we would stop evaluating others from a human point of view. And one of the reasons it's so freeing is because now it starts freeing us to where we don't care what another human thinks about us. Not, Not in the grand scheme of things. That we care more about what God thinks about us. And it's why this is so freeing. It frees us up from from even judging others. It frees us up from from feeling like others have ultimate say over our lives. He says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. And how differently we know him now. That, That it was difficult to for many to believe that, that he could be the Messiah, the chosen one, the long-awaited one that would come. But, but when he rose from the dead and he was back on earth for 40 days, hanging out with people before he returned to heaven again, it was like, okay, we once thought of him from a human, but, but how differently we see him now. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And I get it. That can be a little confusing. I think there's this old life, new life idea, but it's all just this one life. It's because we are completely created new. There's this old self, and then there's this new self. And the new self is where we've discovered our identity, and we're not stuck in a rut trying to create our identity. But we discover it. So Paul, who wrote that, had also written something earlier that that might bring a little more clarity to this confusion, this old life, new life, old person, new person. And it's found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And so when you put these two together, it makes a whole lot more sense. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ, put to death. He wasn't talking about he was literally put on a cross and crucified, but, but it's been put to death, my old self. Okay, it is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He's saying, I'm not living for myself, that Christ lives in me and I'm living for him. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. I've had the opportunity over the last three months to, to listen to some generational experts. I've been at some conferences and, and got to hear from them. And, and, and it's very interesting to, to, to listen to them kind of walk through the different generations that we know. That, that there's that builder generation, that would be my grandparents. That there's the boomer generation, that is my parents. I'm part of Gen Xers, and most of us in here are probably boomers and Xers for most of us. And we got some millennials in the room, and and then there's even some Generation Z, which is that younger generation below millennials. 
And it's, it's just kind of interesting to, to listen to these generational experts and just sharing some different things that they've shared. But, but one of the things that they've, sh- they've shared is they've shared that millennials and younger, that would be millennials and Generation Z, that, that for them, that, 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 that is such a struggle for them right now as they are living through life. And that the struggle, and you might be a millennial in, in the room, and, and you might be a Gen Z in here, but, but the reason it's become so difficult, they said, is because this is an age group that they are convinced that they have to create their own identity. It, it, it's not about recognizing who I am. It's about creating who I am. And, and for them, the, the struggle is real. That, that for millennials and, and Generation Z, that... that they deal with this thing called FOMO, and, and I think all of us in the room can deal with FOMO. It's this fear of missing out. But they have something that trumps that, that that's a bigger issue for them. And it's not FOMO, it's FOMU. That, that, that's the thing that for millennials and younger, that for many of them, that that is their biggest issue is this FOMU. It's not fear of missing out, it's fear of messing up up. That, 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 that is the thing that, that, that is so daunting and, and challenging for them. And when you think about a, a people group and, and the, these ones that are going, hey, I, I've got to create my own idea, that the pressure, it, it's real because they're going, hey, I, I don't want to mess up who I am and, and who I'm supposed to be. And, and so they have this huge struggle as they're moving through life. And, and so they are, and, and they, they aren't trying to get into this adult thing, like the, the, the whole adulting has come up, you know, don't want to be an adult yet. Because they're what? It's not because they're lazy. It's FOMU. There's this fear of messing up. I, I, I don't want to mess up. I, I, I've got to I've got to, I need to delay. I, I need to wait a little bit because there's so much pressure on them because they are convinced that they have to create their own identity. And they don't want to make a choice that's going to mess up the rest of their lives. And it's FOMO. And so when we, we look at this, this whole idea, what are some practices that, that, that promote this whole idea of authentic identity. That, that, yeah, we need to recognize that, that identity is something that's discovered, it's not created, and we need to respond to the love of Christ that, that restores us and that shows us our purpose. Jesus said this, Luke recorded it in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. The cross was just understood as this instrument of death. What what is it that you're going to die to? Because you need to die to self. That this is what you need to do. Give up your own way. Verse 24. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. That if we try to make life all about us, and, and, and all we're doing is trying to wring out enough meaning and significance in life based on who we are and what we can do and what we create, we're going to lose our life in all of eternity. But when we find our life, and by doing this, by what? By recognizing and responding, when we find our life in Christ, then we are going to keep it, and we are going to have a life that's going to be saved for all eternity. Verse 25, and what benefit 
And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? And I think it is that concept right there that is this FOMU. There's this fear of messing up. I, I don't want to mess up. So we need to respond. And that's our next step. I love next steps around here. That we've even got a whole ministry area that's just devoted to next steps to help people take what is your next step. As I think about what took place last month and just the next steps that were taken, it's so encouraging to see that the people that made a decision to trust Jesus for the first time to be their Savior. Amazing. To, to see the people that took their next step and said, hey, I, I want to get baptized. I want to be identified as a Christ follower. I want to follow through in this believer's baptism and watch them take their next step. Amazing. We did a financial series we did last month. And at that series, at, at the end of it, I gave a, a challenge, and it was a 90-day tithe challenge. And it's been encouraging to see the, those cards that have come in and the, the commitments that people are making, taking their next step. That it's about taking next steps. In the book of Proverbs, this book of wisdom, Proverbs 16, 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. But see, some people don't take a next step. They don't take a next step because they haven't seen the whole big, they want to see everything laid out before them. So stop waiting for God to reveal your last step before you take your next step. Don't, don't wait and go, hey, God, I, I need to see where this is going to end up or where it's going to be before I take another step. Just take your next step and trust him and let him lead you to where he wants you. That when we ask God why, that, that we won't always wait to agree with him and he won't always wait for us to agree with him either. And there's going to be some whys that we don't get. There's going to be some whys that we don't understand. But we can't wait. He's not going to wait for us, and we can't wait for him. We, we just got to trust when we're asking a why that we don't get the answer to. Check this out. It's, it's kind of long, but, but I'm going to break this down because I really want you to capture this. That if you don't respond in God's timing, you might miss out on. Okay, and there's, there's some things I want to share with you. That if you don't respond in God's timing, you might miss out on. Well, what might you miss out on? His blessings. That if you don't respond in his timing, you might miss out on his blessings. If you don't respond in God's timing, what about the opportunities that he creates? It's another thing that you might end up missing out on. And on his purpose that fulfills in your life. That these are the things that God wants to do in us, to us, and through us. And we won't always know why, but we have to respond to God's timing and God's ways. Let God turn your apathy into action. You're going, I, I need to see that last step, and until I, I'm not moved, that's apathy. And let God turn your apathy into action as you respond with your next step. Third practice. We've looked at recognize. We've looked at respond. The third one is rest. It's the third practice that promotes authentic identity. It's rest. 
I, I think it's tragic that Jesus paid the ultimate price that he gave as he left heaven, he came to earth, and he paid the ultimate price for you and for me. He suffered and he sacrificed his life. And yet so many Christians, they are struggling with their identity and their significance. They're struggling day in and day out with life. And I think it's tragic that, that we're struggling with, with not being able to connect to Christ and find our identity and live that out. And I think for some, it's because of the pace of their life. It's because of the pace of their life. And when the pace of your life, it doesn't allow you to rest, you're going to wreck something. You're going to wreck something. You're going to wreck the relationship with your spouse. You're going to wreck the relationship that you have with your kids. You're going to wreck your health. That you're going to end up wrecking your life in such a way that you forfeit some friendships. You're going to end up burning out at work. That we are going to be people that we even get to the point where we might even falter in our faith. Because we don't take time to rest. It's so important to rest. And when I'm talking about rest, I'm not talking about just sleep. That we would do some resting while we're awake, too. The rest happens when it comes. It comes in two different ways. It comes in forced rest, and it comes in planned rest. And planned rest is always what I prefer. That forced rest, that forced rest comes because your body starts letting you know, I can't keep up this pace. And, 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 it's forced, and, and now you find yourself being forced to rest, and, and that's not a best way to rest, but, but planned rest, planning and choosing to rest, that, that's your best way to rest. This summer, our family went on a vacation for almost two weeks and did a road trip to California, and we saw a lot of things, and we did a lot of things. And, and the night before our final day in California, I told our family, I said, I don't know what, what's planned for tomorrow. I, I don't know what, what it is, but count me out. <laughs> Because I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to chill. I, I, I just want to relax because I hadn't relaxed. It's just been go, 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 go. So I just chose to rest. Planned rest. And we need to plan for this. Rest, rest can get a bad rap. Because, because there's people that refer to rest. And, 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 and it's a different four-letter word. But, but it doesn't sound as nice. You know what they say? Lazy. That's just lazy. You're just being lazy. And, and th- th- we've got we've to find somewhere in, in the middle ground where it is rest because we can push too far and it will be lazy. But we have to find a way to rest. That God created in six days and then he, then he rested. I, I've always tried to imagine what that would be like, you know, I mean, I've, I've never created as much as God created. <laughs> so I, I don't know how much work that is and how exhausting that might be. But could you imagine just creating everything that God had created in those six days and getting to that seventh day and finally kind of backing up to that throne and whew, sitting down and kind of wiping that sweat, <laughs> turning to that angel and saying, go give me a beer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I really don't think it happened like that. I don't think that God was exhausted either. I think it was this. 
I think God had done all that he had done and created. And rest was taking delight. That rest was just him just kind of taking it all in and appreciating what he had created. People, we need to rest. We, we, we need to rest. Whether we're going we're gonna to rest in some of our relationships, whether we're going to rest from some of our work, we just, we just need to rest instead of always go, 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 go. That's what we need to do. And when we don't, it just, it just, we end up making some real tragic mistakes with our life. But yet we have a God who loves and restores and redeems. And he will take what we mess up. And he'll redeem it. And he'll redeem it for his purpose. Listen, I want you to hear from somebody. Somebody who has taken a next step. And that whole idea of recognizing Identity, it's not something i got to create. It's something I just need to, I need to, to discover who it is that I've been created to be. That, that I've taken a next step in, in responding, God, what is it that you would want from me? That, that I want to respond to you and, and who you are because of the love that you have for me and the redemption that you have. And I, and I want to find a way to, to rest in you. And so I want you to hear part of his story. Watch this. I'm John Gray and this is my story. Authentic means to me being who you say you are, being who you're meant to be. I was hung over and I, I made a fool of myself the night before and the only way that I could get to go the only way in my maniacal mind I could think of of uh, making it up to her was going to church to serve in the morning when she served because we drove separately and I didn't want it. I didn't want anything to do with watching kids I didn't want anything to do with I was getting to the point where I didn't want anything to do with anybody, and I decided to give it a shot, and what do you know, I was good at it. Kids love me, because I'm adultish, I'm half man, half child, and I just love it, it turned my life around, because I got to a point where I just wanted to, I can't wait till Sunday morning to go see those kids. They all come up and hug me, even, they, even though they're going to different classes and such. Uh, they see me from across the hall and they run over to hug me. It's just, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me, is getting that part in my life. Aside from my wife, she's the best thing. Everybody in the church is doing a different thing, has a different gift, and it all comes together on a canvas, like an abstract work of art, and God sees it from far away, and he says, that's beautiful. 
Well, recently I took a day off work and spent my whole weekend helping a neighbor repair a fence. It's just the little things. I often struggle to see myself as a masterpiece. But when I'm back there serving God by serving those kids, it just brings such joy to my soul. When those little kids jump up and they're like, Mr. John, Mr. John, oh, and they hug me, it is the best feeling ever. I spent quite a bit of time at the bottom of a bottle trying to find happiness, trying to find something, and it just wasn't working. And when I quit drinking seven months ago, it changed my whole outlook. And, I, and now I kind of feel like God has a plan for me. I kind of thought he did all along, but it wasn't helping. I wasn't being able to see it clearly because I was in a fog much of the time and when I got to that spot I just it was just like somebody turned the light switch I didn't struggle having to quit drinking I just quit drinking and I was a pretty well functioning alcoholic and I just gave it up seven months ago and never looked back I grew up in a church where we didn't have Every single day you had to be re-forgiven. And I felt like I was so low that I I was having trouble dealing with dealing with how I thought God saw me because I thought God saw me as just an idiot who's wasted all of his talents and all of his gifts and spending it at the end of a bottle. But I got to where I didn't even care anymore. And once I put it down, God showed me. It was like God just reached his arms around me and gave me a big hug and said, you're my child and I'm ready to do anything for him now because I know he loves me like I love my kids and I would do anything for him and he's brought me through many, many, many trials and tribulations and I think I just need to trust him more and realize that he sees me as a masterpiece. My name is John Gray and this is my story. We're just keeping it real where we started last week, right? I think that for far too many of us, that we fail to rest in God until we get to a place of brokenness. And it, it takes us getting to a place of brokenness before we start to rest. It's that, it's that forced rest that we get to. Listen, you are not a wasted canvas. That, that you are not a worthless canvas that you are a wonderful canvas and you are a masterpiece created by God.
Would you bow your heads with me? I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that as you've just looked at and began to examine this whole idea of, of recognizing that your identity is something that you discover. It's not something that you have to create. That, that, that whole idea of responding, responding to Christ's love for you to restore you, this whole idea of, of rest and, and, and finding rest in, in the safety and in the warmth of your loving Heavenly Father. That, that if that for you is something that you go, I, I don't know that I've had that, but I want that, and I need that. That if that is you, and that, that you've never begun by, by having a faith trust in God your creator, having a faith trust in Jesus your Savior, that you've never done that, and today you're ready to find and discover what it means to have rest in him and you want that would you just look up at me quickly and, and show me your hand and that'd just be you letting me know I see you I see you is there anybody else that, that today you're going I need this I see you I see you that you would want this you know that this is what you need and today is your day to experience rest with your heavenly father like what you've never had before I see you I see you. I'm going to lead you in, in a time of prayer. And if you just say this prayer in the silence of your heart to your Heavenly Father, He listens to your heart. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you love me. And if I'm being honest, it's hard for me to see myself as a masterpiece. And I want to trust that you're my master creator. And you've made me a masterpiece. Because you don't make mistakes. I confess, I admit that I have sins and faults, mistakes that I need forgiveness. And Jesus, because you offered it, I'm ready to receive it by putting my trust in you. So help me find rest in you because I recognize and I am responding. Jesus, it's in your name I pray.